You're now listening to Fundamental Fast Pitch. Hey everybody, it's Jessica Tanner and Heather Maloney here for episode number 87, uh, A Better Little League Experience. So again, kind of staying on trend with going into new season, new year, new opportunities. Uh, We wanted to spend some time talking to our little leagues and our board members and everyone out there that is just looking to, again, provide a better little league experience. So, um... We're going to kind of go through talking about like the board members first and then communication, registration, kind of take you through the whole process. Um, But uh, we're kind of leading off this. We actually just had a great meeting with one of our local little leagues. And I have to give you guys a shout out for everything that you do to give girls an opportunity to play youth softball. There is a lot of work behind the scenes. These are all volunteers. So first and foremost, thank you all for doing what you do um, at the little league level. Yeah, I'm really glad you you gave a shout out to the fact that these are volunteers and without the volunteers doing this hard work, these kids would not have the outlet to play this sport that we all love. So um, first and foremost, thank you all to all the all the people, the the people that are volunteering for the board, uh, people that are volunteering to coach, um, team moms, everybody who does anything to help these kids uh, be able to play this game. Thank you so much. So. Uh, what we're doing today is kind of giving um, an overview of some things that um, the local boards and, and different um, you know volunteers can can look at uh, in order to improve your league's experience and and the experience that all the families that you provide services to um, get with playing in your league. Um, so we'll start out with the board. First of all, um, we want to have an open-minded board, right, Jess? Absolutely. Um, we want to promote just open communication, idea sharing, um, more than anything, being open-minded to new ideas. Um, just because you have always done things a certain way as a league, whether it's tryouts or games or this, and that doesn't mean that there's not maybe a better or more efficient way to do things. Um, so just being open-minded to change. Um, and then, uh, a big thing for me as a board is just being able to provide resources to your your players, their families, and especially your coaches. Um, it's a little bit daunting to think about volunteering to coach a team or be a part of something that maybe you don't have prior experience with. So just letting those coaches know, hey, if you volunteer to be a coach this season, here's how we're here to help you. And here's who your your commissioner or your player rep is for your age group. Or here's the, the coaches clinics that we're putting on or changes to rules. So just making sure that you're providing as many resources as possible throughout not only the the little league season, but before and after as well. Right. If, if, I mean, I think every board knows how difficult it is to, to find volunteer coaches. Um, so if you can provide a resource to those, those individuals that think, you know, are considering it, um, that might put them over the edge and, and let them go ahead and, and volunteer without, you know, having to, I mean, some, some, some leagues have to voluntold people to, to coach because they just don't have the people. So if you can provide the resources, you might have, uh, you know, more volunteer participation. So that's, that's always a great thing. Um, 
Another thing that you can do as a board is to prioritize league events over select teams. I mean, select teams are an important part of the league because a lot of times they're they're a revenue source, right, Jess? So, but we want to prioritize league experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Little League, I mean, that's playing with your community, your friends, your peers. You want anyone and everyone to be able to play softball, and not everyone is able to play at the select level, whether it's um, just financial commitments or the skills aren't necessarily there yet. So making sure that you provide ample field space and practice time to be, to be able to support your league teams. But then in that same breath, also as a board, I think it would be really valuable to be able to provide support for those players that are ready to transition to select, whether it's a, a league sanctioned select team or um, just someone that's looking for something maybe a little bit more competitive or maybe they want to play year-round or whatever the reason may be, um, there's a lot of value in being able to say, hey, thank you so much for playing in our league. I understand you're ready for the next level. Here's what that looks like, and here's what you need to be prepared for financially and time commitments and expectations and things of that nature. So kind of on that same breath, I guess, recognizing where your support is needed, whether it's transitioning to select, um, if you need more board members, if you need more volunteers or parent coaches, um, and then also too, like the, the clinics for your players, making sure that you're bringing in resources that um, have been around the game for a while, whether it's um, maybe it's guest speakers or it's hands-on player clinics or coaches clinics where they learn the rules or skills and drills that are age appropriate or um, how to run uh, like different practices and things like that. So just recognizing as a board where your time can be best spent to provide the sport that's the support that's needed. Right. And that's going to vary, you know, league to league. Um, some, some leagues, you know, things are cyclical, right? So you might have um, a really uh, a, a bigger age group of uh, your, your participation in the older age groups may be a little bit bigger, um, you know, this year than it is in, in years past. So you want to provide some support to those older players um, who maybe are, are newer to the sport, um, but they just, they, you know, they're out there and they, they may not have the skills, but they're out there and they're having a great time and they'd like to learn uh, the sport a little bit better. So recognizing that there's a need there and maybe giving them a little extra support, um, whether it's camps, clinics, just extra, you know, p- guests, coaches coming in to, to lend a hand and, and, and teach something to te- teach them specifically um, you know it's going to vary board to board league to league but identifying where you need support or extra effort and and finding a way to provide it mm-hmm. all right so let's jump over to communication that's a huge one for us um, I think in a lot of cases if you can in, in improve your communication um, as a as a league you're going to improve the experience for the families I mean like exponentially so where do we start? Um, what, what's, a, what's one of the first things you want to make sure you're communicating clearly and efficiently? Man, start at the top. Um, just kind of going through the whole process. So making sure that your dates are voted on and approved and set as early as possible. Um, giving families an opportunity to um, have early registration, maybe even a discount if they sign up for the league season early. Um, making sure all dates are posted on your website. If you guys have social media pages, um, sending email blasts out to previous um, uh, players within the league or maybe some inquiries that you've had through the website. Uh, if you have any dates or that are set for players or coaches clinics, um, just anything you can do to get all your dates posted as early as possible and then communicate them 
not only efficiently, but like often, um, there's, I mean, emails get looked over. People aren't always on social media or this and that. So, um, making sure your tryout dates are set and what that tryout looks like, right? That's a big part of communication. Um, okay. The tryouts for six, U are at this time on this field and this date versus maybe 10, U, 12, U. maybe that looks a little bit different. Um, and then on that too, okay. During, uh, again, the more you can communicate, the better experience it's going to be for a parent. So if you can send an email out or post on your website, Hey, here's our tryout times. Here's, um, here's how the check-in process works. Here is how, um, the tryout will be run. Your player will be expected to do this, this, and this. Um, please allocate this amount of time. Um, just, again, setting expectations so that parents don't get there and they're like, wow, why is the check-in line so long? And why is my kid standing around for forever? Which we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> but just, again, communicating and making sure that um, expectations are clear from the beginning. Right. That's <clears throat> uh, if, if you can get ahead of some of those questions that you can anticipate from your families, whether it's um, the, the families that are looking ahead to, you know, all-stars and when those tryouts are going to be and when that's going to get running, um, if you can think of any, anything you might, you know, any questions you might have about uh, any dates, uh, get those voted on, posted, decided, all that so that you can get ahead of that and avoid some of those questions. Um, it just makes it easier for everyone to, to plan and, and move ahead. So um, now let's let's shift over to like uh, the coaches and how they communicate with, with the board and with, with the, the players and the, the team and the families that they have. Um, so I, th I think a lot of times when you have coaches that have questions, uh, particularly either when there's lots of new rule changes or you have new coaches, they're going to have questions. And so you need to have a process in place for those coaches to get support and have those questions answered. So I think a lot of le leagues, it's pretty common to have either like age division reps or commissioners. Um, so those are probably going to be your points of contact for your coaches to, to get those, some of those answers. Um, and it would be also real helpful if those commissioners or, or reps could, had like a, an outline or, or some sort of um, go by schedule of, of how the coaches should be communicating with their, their new players. So, you know, you have tryouts, then you have a draft and, and teams are, are made, you know, they should be given sort of a schedule of you need to go ahead and start letting your families know that you're they're on your team. Practices begin at such and such date. Games, be, you know, begin at this time so that, that everyone can uh, know what to expect and, and, and have a schedule in place, at least a rough schedule in place for, for moving forward. Um, how do we handle schedule changes? Uh, again, communication, having mm -hmm. that, that process in place, whether it's, um, I know group me team snap, uh, whether you have your own kind of email chain going out something in place that's efficient and you can get out to the coaches and then also set expectations of, Hey, coaches, we've told you now it's your responsibility to tell your team and make sure that we don't have parents and players showing up for practice that has been rained out. Um, and then also I think it's important to like establish and communicate a chain of command. Um, I know I can tell you on the board that I'm on, it gets overwhelming when people are coming to you with all kinds of questions all the time. Um, so making sure that you designate again, that, that player rep or commissioner. And if any questions come in, Hey, um, here's the appropriate contact for that question so that you're not taking on all these extra questions or responsibilities. And then that way too, you can make sure that, um, communication is consistent so that you're not maybe saying one thing. And then the player rep is saying another, um, just to making sure it's just, everybody's on the same page. 
Right. Um, and, and then one last thing to touch on with communication is you're going to have those families that are looking ahead to all stars and, um, you know, you, you want to get this information as, out as soon as possible. Um, a lot of times it's, it's not, I don't want to say not possible, but uh, not appropriate to start talking about All-Stars as soon as the, the regular league season starts. But at some point, um, you, you do need to go ahead and, and let that selection process and that time and, and monetary commit, commitment be known. Um, communicate that clearly so that people can make the decision on whether they even want to try out for All-Stars. Yeah, so that no, that's a good point because you're going to have the players that are interested in that or maybe looking at something like, again, going into the off season or select or what have you. So just to reiterate on communication, like all dates posted on website, social media, email blast. So some of those dates would be early registration, registration, player and coaches clinics, uh, league tryouts, uh, any select tryouts that you approve and sanction. Um, fundraising dates, maybe you guys have a bingo night or a pizza night, um, and then your all-star tryouts as well. And then same thing, anything you might have going on in the off season. Right. So, I mean, as with, as we always say with communication early and often, um, try to over communicate, uh, and that should, that should improve the, the experience for your families as far as being able to plan and, and see it, see what's ahead for them. Um, let's move to the registration process. Um, I, I think I, there seems to be a lot of different options and strategies for, for registration. Some leagues do still do the old, um, you know, in-person paper registration. Some are all online. Um, I think whatever you use, it needs to be a user-friendly friendly process. Absolutely. Um, and with that, too, um, a lot of people prefer, like, online or online communication. Also making sure that if you're... If your numbers and your sign up allows that you have like walk up registration and day of registration just to make sure you're accommodating everyone because they not may not be able to commit early, but just making sure that on your registration process, you're very crystal clear about, hey, this is the cost. Um, this is what it entails. This is our season. Um, yes, this covers your uniform or you're expected to, to provide your own equipment, like just whatever that that. Um, process looks like for your league and then also what's really big is making sure it's easy for parents to sign up for the correct age group um, I know a lot of leagues they're going through USA softball there have been some changes recently to age groups and uh, birth years and things like that so um, some of our local leagues they actually have a sign up process that basically you put your birth date in for your player and then it automatically puts them in the age group that they're supposed to be in based off of those um those usa softball rules but if you don't have that super cool like technology option then just making sure that someone is double checking hey this birth date goes with this age group and if let's say a parent registers for the wrong age group that you also have somebody in place reaching out to them and say hey it looks like you registered for tingyu because your daughter is 10 but based on her birthday she should actually be playing 12 you or something along those lines so just making sure that uh, your registration process again crystal clear super use, uh, user friendly yeah on that um, about um, age groups uh, you'll have I would say I mean there's always going to be a couple of players and you know each year, each season that 
Um, their family, for whatever reason, wants them to play up. Um, and so you're going to, I don't know that I would necessarily like advertise that that is an option, but um, if, especially if you're going to have the feature where it automatically puts you into the appropriate age group, there should be somehow something in place for uh, parents to contact a board member or somehow contact the board to ask those questions if that is a concern or a request that they're going to make. Yeah, and I will add another another dimension to that. You're also going to have players or families that want to play down because they want to keep playing with a certain set of friends or families. Um, I mean, uh, you guys should figure it out by now. I'm very much a black and white rules are rules. So making sure that as a board, um, you're crystal clear um, on expectations for everybody. Hey, these birth dates play in these age groups. Sorry, no exceptions. Yeah, Um and one more thing, you're, like like you just said, a request to play down. Um, you're going to have some families that are going to request to either uh, play for a certain coach, not play for a certain coach, um, you know, play with a certain uh, other family for whether it's like a carpool reason or just a comfortability type thing. They're, they're familiar with those people. Um, I, I think it's real important as a board to come up with a, a sort of a policy on that. Are we going to allow these kinds of requests? Um, if we are going to allow them, what's the process for, you know, uh, dealing with them and, 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 you know, honoring those requests, if that's something you're going to decide to do. I would not suggest, you know, doing a sort of more of a case by case. Sometimes we allow it, sometimes we don't. Um, that, but that's something for your board to discuss and come up with the process on and to communicate it um, adequately. Uh, hello, me again. I have <laughs> one more thing to add to that. Um, one thing that we haven't touched on is like the families that um, maybe can't afford to play. I know a lot of leagues offer like scholarship players or discounts or sibling discounts, things of that. So again, agreed upon and effectively communicated um, process on how those selections are made or how are those discounts are applied. Right. And that's one of those, um, one of those things that as a board, that's seeing where you have a need and finding a way to provide for that need. So, um, so, you know, some leagues are not going to need to do that, but other leagues are going to lean on that a whole lot more. So, um, whether that's communicating how families can find, uh, you know, get those scholarship opportunities, or maybe we need to find sponsorships so that we can continue to continue to provide those scholarships whatever it might be um, identify what that need is and find a way to provide for those those families all right so uh, that's registration let's move to tryouts um, tryouts um, are like no very notorious for being a long slow painful process and there are definitely ways we, you, that you can improve upon it I thought you were gonna say they're everybody's favorite well okay <laughs> sarcasm um yeah so again this is going to go back to my first comment about just being open-minded to change um just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean you have to stick with that if you need a leagues like you, your goal is to grow right your goal is to get more families more kiddos in to be able to allow as many girls as possible to play youth softball so um maybe that means your tryouts are spread out a over a couple of days to accommodate um different age groups or um, I don't know, maybe you have a tryout date and then depending on your draft process, if you offer a makeup or if those 
uh, those players get put into a pool for like no shows, but just making sure your tryout as a whole, in addition to being communicated efficiently, is efficient day of. So that means um, clear cut signage on what age groups are on what fields. Uh, if you have a designated pitcher and catcher area, which you should, um, where those pitchers and catchers can warm up um, and where they're actually going to be like going through their tryout, where your warm up areas are. Um, the check-in process, making sure you got plenty of people there to assist with the check-in, whether it's online or pen and paper, um, what the schedule looks like for tryouts. If you guys are doing stations, okay, you're going from this station to this station to this station to this station, or if you're doing everybody at one drill at once, um, just what that looks like. And then, um, making sure that you're communicating to parents again, what to expect on the day of tryouts so that they can be prepared to be there maybe for a while, whether it's lawn chair and snacks, or if they have other kiddos that they have to get somewhere else, or just so that they can better plan their day again, makes it a better experience. Right. Um, I think by and large, the, the best way you can improve your tryout uh, process is to just have a really, really good plan in place, you know, and communicate with that with the people that are going to be running the tryout. Um, if everybody, uh, you know, if you have enough manpower, you know, get if you think you need 10 people to help run your tryouts, go ahead and get 12 or 13. You want to have extra people around to to make sure that things go smoothly. So make sure you have that manpower and that everyone knows what their job is. You know, if your job is to be check-in, don't just say, okay, you're doing check-in. Actually explain the process so that they can do it efficiently and that you don't have a bottleneck at the check-in process. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you definitely need to, to be prepared with a schedule, an outline of how, how things are are planned to go um and then just always know that um you know even though you may be prepared with the schedule things you have to be a little flexible things could change a little bit um run behind run ahead you know just be flexible yeah and uh, i'm gonna tell you to have a plan b let's say it rains yeah. like okay so have a makeup tryout date set just in case and then or if you have the luxury of having maybe an indoor facility or something like that just having that plan set in place so that you're not overwhelmed and you have those communications ready for the families that have signed up. And then also on the tryout itself, um, being considerate of your board members players. So when you are assigning those responsibilities for people to do what, like if they have a player that's in six, you like as much as possible, allowing them to do things throughout the tryout date that don't interfere with their own child's tryout because again boards volunteers too they need to be able to also show up and be there for their children so just being considerate of your board members throughout the day too right and that's also an another good way to to help recruit and then keep board members yes absolutely okay so we've made it through tryouts um let's go into practices um what can the board do as far as you know scheduling practices um, to, to make the experience better? Um, so I will tell you that mostly just being fair with your assigned practice slots, um, being considerate of children's ages. Um, if you have a six U team, don't assign them the seven to nine time slot, um, or something during the weekend that just isn't considerate or same thing. Like maybe you are assigning a bunch of weekend time slots so that you can squeeze in select teams throughout the week. Um, 
So making sure that you're fair and that teams are getting the same number of practices uh, before they go into their league play. Now, obviously, you can't do anything about weather, but um, just making sure that from the start, everybody is given like the same opportunity. Right. And I know a lot of uh, different leagues have different um, sort of strategies or ideas behind how much time they allow between when teams are drafted and games begin. I I know some leagues like to give, you know, up to like a month or or even more between that, you know, the teams forming and and games beginning. But then I I know of other leagues that, you know, might give uh, 10 days or up to, you know, maybe just two weeks before games start. So, um, I would lean towards giving a little more time uh, so that, you know, you can start working on fundamentals and build that team chemistry before you just jump into games. But um, give your give your 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 teams, your coaches, your families time uh, to get some practice in before just throwing them into a game and feeling like deer in the headlight. Yeah, and I'm a I'm a big believer that you learn more at practices during games anyways. So, um yeah, longer kind of like preseason tryout stuff, if you will, um, so that the games are more competitive. Your players have more time to practice. They feel more confident. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Heather. And that uh, right, that going along with, uh, you know, providing a more practice time before games begin, um, it'd be really, really helpful if the, the board could provide some support to coaches with as far as like practice plans and ideas for different drills and, and ways to run practices so that they're, you are actually, you know, building those skills and building that team chemistry and, and learning um, in that time that is meant for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just to touch on, um, this is kind of a, 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 I won't say a pet peeve, but something that it will they'll take, uh, it's, it's more of a life skill than just a, a softball thing, but taking care of facilities. Like we like to always say, we like to leave the field, leave the dugout better than it was when we got there. So um, that's a good time to instill the importance of taking care of the facilities. Um, you know, at practice, you need to leave your dugout clean, um, even like raking around the bases. Some leagues uh, take the bases off the field at the end of the day, at end of the day. Uh, whatever your um, procedures are for taking care of your facilities, taking care of your fields, communicating that with your new, with your coaches and, and letting them know what the expectations are and setting that standard early um, so that you can you know take pride in your facilities and and make them better for the future. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big one for me. Yeah, and that that goes straight into also, you know, games. Um, definitely instilling and, and driving home that, taking care of facilities um, in those situations too. It's not just after practice, it's after the games. You know, every time you leave the dugout, it should be clean. Um, you know, just taking care of, of the field as well. Um, what else What else do we want to stress as far as games go as a board, as a league? Um, two things really come to mind for me outside of the facilities. Um, one is the consistency among umpires. I know that that's a really easy way to get play or parents and coaches like up in arms and disgruntled is if you have umpires that that call one thing and you have umpires that don't call an- another or maybe you have umpires that are strict on time and just if everybody's not on the same page um it makes it really really hard one for coaches to know kind of how to coach the game but then it, for parents too um, so just making sure that you get your UIC and all your umpires on board of, hey, here's here's our expectation for the game clock. And here's how we handle, um, uh, what's it called, extra innings going into ITB rules and things like that. Um, if you have an unruly parent, here's the process for that. Or 
Um, just again, consistency. So uh, if there's any rule changes, that's a big one. So maybe you have the same UIC and crew coming back from the last season. If you have changed any rules in a certain age group or anything, making sure that that's communicated to the UIC so that he can get his crew on the same page. Uh, and then, yeah, my next one was going into the, the unruly parents. So if you have the moms, dads, or oftentimes grandparents Mm -hmm. in the stands that are, um, being disrespectful or just hollering at children or uh, I'll give you a personal example, hollering at the coach, me, for being a terrible pitcher um, <laughs> or just, just not being, again, respectful um, that's being disruptive during the game. What is the process for kind of addressing that and, and making sure that that doesn't continue? Yeah, so on that, as a, as a board, that's something that, you know, it's it's not something that anybody looks forward to dealing with but um that's something that you should be looking at ahead of time and coming up with a process for handling it ahead of time before you have an issue that way when you do have an issue and you will at some point um when you do have that issue it's a little bit easier to to deal with and everybody knows um you know how it should go and you can move smoothly through the process whether and it 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 doesn't really i won't say there's necessarily a right or a wrong way exactly to do it but you need to have a process in place and whether that's letting you know the umpires try to handle it or you know making it uh you know the board member on duties uh job to to handle those situations whatever the process might be make sure you have a process in place um, everybody on the board understands the process if you're going to rely on umpires um, make sure that they understand um, and, and understand when it's time for them to kind of lean on the board to get involved as well. Um, so know the process so that the process can actually be carried out when you do have an issue. Yeah. And again, be consistent on that as well. Um, it's not a case by case thing. It's a, Hey, here's how we handle this across the board. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there. Um, <laughs> and then, um, also on that too, that's a really good time to recognize. Um, I know you guys usually have like board members on duty or people that are there and roaming. So making sure that you have that kind of schedule posted maybe in the concession or to the umpire it's like hey here's here's your board member on duty here is their cell phone number if you need to get a hold of them call them let them know what field you're on and they will be right there yeah so that way you can support your umpires as well yeah definitely those umpires take take the brunt of it from the parents um so anytime you can support those umpires uh, as a board do it because you you're going to lean on them a lot Okay, so let's jump into the off season. Let's say you've had a, a really great season and you have some, some happy families and you have the families that are eager to continue to, to keep playing, improving, and, and working on it. Um, how can you as a league support those families? Extra work. Um, you got the players that love it. They want to get better. Um, as a league, being able to um, get with local either instructors or maybe you have um, – maybe there's in supple influencers or people out there that are that are really trendy just knowledgeable resources to be able to provide off-season like camps or clinics or um, maybe a list of instructors for your players that take an interest in pitching and catching or they need some extra work on defense or hitting so just as a board being able to again be a resource so you can say hey if you want to keep working or if you want this or this here's a list of contacts or resources for opportunities that you have until until next season gets here yeah and I don't think uh, you know don't get overwhelmed by this one Uh, I think it's just more of a 
compiling some some things that you've that are that are available out there you don't necessarily need to coordinate and run you know camps and clinics but just being like like just said a resource uh of, of different individuals that can prov- provide those services you know if you're if your league can can handle uh you know holding cl- camps and clinics and things of that sort that's that's great but don't feel like that's what you have to do that's that's not, like not the standard if you can just provide resources and and point people into the direction uh to get some of those re- uh those services that would that's definitely more than enough yeah absolutely just again keyword be a resource yes exactly awesome well um i have really enjoyed getting to work with some of the local little leagues um i think there's opportunities for improvement but most for the most part they're doing a really good job again volunteers so can't stress enough like thank you for doing what you do like softball is fantastic i wish everyone would play softball but you know they're soccer so (laughs) um anyways this uh, i hope this is helpful i hope uh you guys are able to use this to make your local little leagues um a little bit maybe better experience for not only your players but your families your board members your coaches your umpires um as always please reach out to us uh, via email if you have any questions or ideas or anything like that and we will be super excited to get back to you so thanks again for listening this has been uh jessica and heather on episode 87 a better little league experience